0: everybody, I'm the big guy and welcome to Wrestling Made Simple. I am the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. There have been none before me and there will be none after me. Therefore, I am the one and only Jake Kobe This is Wrestling Made Simple. We got a nice action-packed week here for you. We got the news of the week followed by your SmackDown and Raw reviews. Then we have a review of SummerSlam 2016. It's a SummerSlam I'm actually looking very forward to reviewing. It was... It's one I was actually going to review last week before I got caught up in the 2015 SummerSlam. And then I have the WWE Drink of the Week. And of course, a reading from the Book of Rules. Followed by your Battle Droid of the Week. But let's get into it this week with the news of the week. As the participants in Ric Flair's final match have been announced. It will be Ric Flair teaming with his son-in-law Andrade El Idolo versus Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. So this is actually be a very cool little match. There will also be an Impact World Championship match, which will be Josh Alexander versus Jacob Fatou. Impact, Impact Knockouts Champion, which will be Jordan Grace versus Deanna Purrazzo versus Rachel Elling for the Knockouts World Champion. There will then be a Killer Cross versus Davey Boy Smith Jr. match, a Legacy match of Ricky Morton and Kerry Morton versus Brian Pillman Jr. and Brock Anderson with Arn Anderson at ringside. The Motor City Machine Guns will take on the Wolves. The Briscoes will take on the Von Erichs. Ray Phoenix versus Taurus, Bandito and Laredo Kid. And finally, it will be Clark Connors versus Ken Narita. So, that's the whole Ric Flair card. It looks like it's going to be actually a good card. I might actually end up buying this because it looks like it could be fun. But at the same time, I'm just wondering who's going to be doing the low carrying in that match. Because I feel like Jeff Jarrett could still go, but I don't know about Ric Flair. While I hope that he could still perform... It still leaves me to go, oh, I, I just, I, I wonder. You know, I, I wonder what could still be done by the nature boy. Maybe he could still do it all. Maybe he could turn back the clock one last time to have the greatest performance ever. We don't know. But at the same time, ugh, I wish, I'm praying to God, it just isn't a shit show like his tna run. So, let's keep our hopes up, but our expectations low. Also, in huge news, WWE has already sold out 60,000 tickets for Clash at the Castle in in Wales this September. So, that's a huge ticket bump for WWE. Bravo to them. The seat capacity is 71,000. They've already sold out 60. It's believed they will sell out the rest of the 11, while a couple will be given away for prizes and everything. You could win tickets. You can win, like, a free travel package. So, And the most expensive ticket that is being sold is for $5,600. It's almost as much as, like, WrestleMania. So they're really... They're really building this. And finally, in your final news story this week, is a former women's champion returning to WWE very soon? As Bailey was seen with Sasha Banks. Now, I don't know if Sasha Banks is returning. I'm really still wondering, is she gone or is she still with WWE? I'm sure we're all still wondering that. But the big thing is, Bailey was actually seen at a concert with Sasha Banks. One day we're in street clothes, but it was... They were sitting on the grass and the way they were sitting is getting a lot of people speculating of if you actually can see the picture on Twitter, you will actually see Bailey and Sasha saying crisscross on the on the grass. Now the thing is, Bailey had a torn ACL. That's what I believe it was. Yes, torn ACL. Which means the way she was sitting is huge because that actually puts a little pressure on your ACL. So it's showing that she can have movement of the legs, showing she is able to get going. She is walking without crutches, walking without a brace. So it looks like Bailey is ready to go. She is training, according to sources in WWE from Fightful and everything. So we might see Bailey back in WWE very soon. Well, I would look forward to seeing that. Let me know in the comments whether you would look forward to Bailey returning at SummerSlam or maybe sometime later on to feud with Bianca Belair or maybe Liv Morgan feud, which I would love to see. And that is your news this week, ladies and gentlemen. Let's go to SmackDown. As SmackDown kicked off with Michael Cole interviewing Pat McAfee talking about the past with Happy Corbin mocking him and how he they used to know each other. I forgot that in the NFL, Pat McAfee and um, Baron Corbin actually played on the Indianapolis Colts together. They went through rookie camp. I remember watching a couple preseason games where Baron Corbin actually did play well, and then he went—he was cut and was actually went to the Arizona Cardinals, where he, I believe, he played for a few seasons. But he was a good football player, and it was Pat McAfee who said he came in as this go lucky kid ha- just happy to be there and now to see him he feels he's just better than everybody else it's such a change and that's why they are ready for a fight at SummerSlam we then got a Smackdown Women's Champions Contenders matches. Lib Morgan faced off against Italia. it was a good match N- nothing to really get mad about nothing that really was like holy shit alright kind of thing and this is what scares me about Liv Morgan's run. I've seen it before, and I already know it. They did it with The Miz. They've done it with they've done it with Enzo More. They've done it with every transitional champion. You're looking at their titles. There's an easy way to tell. They don't have custom side plates. Now, if it was real Liv Morgan, her side plate would probably be just two eyes for the watch me. It would probably be a really cool... L for Liv Morgan, I don't know, but she does not have custom side plates. Her side plates are the generic, just WWE logo, so that kind of scares me a little bit. I mean, if they wanted to really make her title reign feel like it could last for a while, just give her custom side plates. You do that, and maybe she, maybe you get the feeling she could beat Ronda Rousey at SummerSlam, but the way they're pitching it right now... I'm scared that her title ranks is going to be a quick, hey, I won it. Oh, God, I lost already. They say the climb is better than the win, but at the same time, I really feel like they need to push her as the underdog who did become champion and who didn't just lose it her first defense. That was what made Rocky three so great is, hey, he won the title and he did lose it to... Um, whatever, Clever Lang. But then, but before then, you actually had him defend it against some of the best people around. You had him moving with it. You had him going around actually defending the title. So I felt like the underdog was justified in being champion. You need to justify her before he can take the title off of Liv Morgan. That's my opinion there. We then got pa- Paul Heyman talking to... Mr. Money Bank Theory saying he shouldn't cash in at SummerSlam. Instead, work on a schedule with him and they could cash in at a big event. Theory said he will cash in at SummerSlam and maybe he'll need a special counsel of his own when he hires Paul Heyman. Very really like this kind of teaming between Austin Theory and Roman Reigns as a, it could be a main event kind of Fight between them, but at the same time, I'm just worried WWE is going to get the cold feet and they're just going to walk away from Theory. That's my scare tactic. There, uh, they they couldn't. They could very well just say, "Hey, this is the new guy. We're going to push. We're going to we're going to push him, no matter what people say." I mean, people were against John Cena getting the push. People were against Randy Orton getting his original push for the World Heavyweight Championship. But once we got into it, we're like, okay, these. Because here's what pisses me off is everybody's against theory. The guy can actually perform in the ring. He's a great performer. I get if you don't like his character, but you do realize something. He's a heel. You're not supposed to like him. If, you're, if you like him, he's not doing his job. That's like walking into Star Wars the first two of Episode 4 and 5 and just being like, Oh, that Darth Vader guy. Good guy. I don't like him. I don't want to have a beer with him. No, Theory is not supposed to be that guy. So people hate him because he's a bitchy heel. So is the Miz. So is every heel in in wrestling. You're not supposed to like him. So I I hate that people hate him because he's doing his job. After this, we got the New Day mocking the Viking Raiders, coming out dressed as Vikings and calling themselves the New Raid. Viking Raiders came out to confront them, but literally as they were doing it, they got jumped by Jinder Mahal and Shanky, and you had the New Day attack them, and then they all celebrated in the ring as the Viking Raiders kind of just sauntered back like a little pissed. They got beat, but they're like, we'll get you next time. This is shocking to me, because am I the only one who realizes something? We might have just seen Jinder Mahal turn face. If you had told me... Any time in his career, Jinder Mahal would turn face, I would have slapped you. I would have slapped you in the face. I wouldn't have believed it, but we're getting it. Jinder Mahal is a face. Holy shit, did not see that one coming. After his rematch between Shinsuke Nakamura and Lukwik Kaisa was announced for next week, Intercontinental Champion reminded Lukwik what would happen if he loses his. If he loses again and chopped him one last time. So maybe this will be the match for SummerSlam. Maybe this will be the pre show match or just a, one of the first matches on the card of an Intercontinental Championship match versus Gunther and Nakamura. That would make me very happy. I would love to see that match. So I th- think it could be fun. I think it could be a very good, fun match at SummerSlam, so I, I would look forward to that. That would, I think, really help add to the card. We then got Lacey Evans versus Aaliyah scheduled to take take place, but Aaliyah was not, but Lacey Evans was not happy that the fans were not cheering for her and just walked to the back and we never got the match. So, yeah. Uh, I think I know what my Validroid of the week is. I gotta change it because I originally had the a 24-7 championship, but. Uh, I think I'll change it. Um, and, and anyway, so after this, we got Drew McIntyre versus Ridge Holland, which was a very quick match. Drew McIntyre was able to finish off Ridge very quickly with a Claymore. I like where they're going with this. This could be another feud for SummerSlam, and they could really be building up this card because they want this to be a huge SummerSlam to influence because after this, and I actually have never seen this before, they have announced the WrestleMania ticket sales for August 12th. That is the, I would say, most earliest ticket sales I've seen since I've been a fan Whenever I would go to buy tickets, it would usually be in November or in WrestleMania 37's case. I would buy the tickets a month before WrestleMania. So, this is very weird to see them doing it for August. I, I imagine they're just trying to play off of the big reveal, that the big stars they're going to have for SummerSlam. The big feelings, the emotions. And they're going to build off of Quash of the Castle, which comes out for September. They're going to build off the excitement for that, so that way they can sell a lot of tickets. I know I'm getting mine for WrestleMania. I'm already signed up for the pre and everything. I'm ready to get my tickets and not just see WrestleMania, but see that beautiful stadium in SoFi. So I'm excited for that. And maybe after that we get the announcement for which city will host WrestleMania and see if my Las Vegas prediction was correct. Anyway, so I could see them actually building up Sheamus and Drew McIntyre for SummerSlam, and whoever wins gets a challenge at the the September pay-per-view. Just what I think. After this, we got Max Dupree announcing that Maxine Dupree will arrive next week. I wonder who it could be. Leave it in the comments if you think if you who you think's gonna be Maxine Dupree, which is apparently gonna be Max Dupree's sister, I believe, or maybe his girlfriend. I don't know. After this, we got a match between Madcap Moss and Money in the Bank Champion Theory, which unfortunately ended too early. I liked where this match was going. These two are having some very good matches. Madcap Moss was able to pick up the win via DQ after Theory hit him with the briefcase so I didn't like that it was then announced that Brock Lesnar will appear on next week's Smackdown to set up the final face to face before SummerSlam I'm very excited for this this could be very fun it looks like it could be a great little matchup after this we got Angelo Dawkins versus Jimmy Uso his singles match, great singles match, very fun. Dawkins showing off his power. It did end when the referee, Charles Robinson, was hit. He was able to slowly make the count. What he didn't see was Jimmy's shoulders were up, so I guess he's blind now. He was just making the count to get out of there and end the, and end the call, so I'm in the match. After this, the two teams brawled. Adam then came out and said, this is why we need a special referee, and a special referee at SummerSlam will be Jeff Jarrett. So shout out to Jeff Jarrett, pulling a lot of heavy duty next week of being in in Ric Flair's last match and being the special case referee at SummerSlam. I, I really do love this. This is awesome. Very fun Smackdown at times. Very very low Smackdown at times. It was a very good Smackdown and I'm actually looking forward to the Go Home show for SummerSlam. Let's go home to the Go Home show from Raw this week. It kicked off with Becky Lynch saying she is the big time Bex Express. She is the little engine that could and she's made the She's made it to legendary station, and they can all the fans can get off at appreciation station. We then got Bianca Belair coming out saying she's gonna derail the big time Bex Express, and then we have that Carmella coming out saying Bianca may be a that Carmella is a smart ass with a great ass. They're really trying to get ready for the. TV-14 rating turn, aren't they? I'm excited for it. I can't wait to see TV-14 Monday Night Raw. That's the talk, but I'm not confirmed. I would love to see TV-14 Monday Night Raw. Then Becky Lynch and Carmella were able to team up together and attack Bianca. Bianca was then able to win the match after a couple count-out attempts. It got close with a nine count. They were really kind of saying that maybe Carmella could win this match. And I thought that would have been a smart move to actually continue a Becky Lynch versus Bianca Belair feud into Hell in a Cell. Would be have Carmella win this match and then have it be a triple threat match at SummerSlam. Once again, where someone else pins Carmella and Becky Lynch is even more pissed. And then you have the Hell in a Cell feud. Oh wait, Hell in a Cell already happened, didn't it? God, I'm so used to Hell in a Cell in October. Or maybe a TLC Extreme Rules match, I don't know, but I could easily have seen it there. Anyway. He then got Kevin Owens holding the Kevin Owens show with Special Guest Riddle. That's right, Kevin Owens is back, he was... Very excited to be back in the ring. He looks like he's trying a bit of a face turn or something like when he when Seth Rollins came back and was kind of like, I'm not a heel, I'm not a heel. That's why I'm leading the Survivor Series team. I'm the face of the raw. I'm an actual baby face. But now I'm not sure who to believe. I love Kevin Owens as a heel. I much prefer him as a heel. But I think he is a very, very good babyface as well. Kevin Owens then suggested that RK Bro is over, and they form BroKO, which would be Kevin Owens and which would be Kevin Owens and Riddle. I would love to see that. That could actually be a fun tag team. He tried to help out by being in his corner at SummerSlam against his former best friend, Seth Rollins. Riddle called him a liar. And then as they were getting ready to have a brawl, Seth Rollins' music hits. He turns, Riddle turns around and looks up the stage and it's like, you're trying to pull one on me. And Kevin Owens is like, I didn't set that up, I didn't set that up. But as the music hits again, Riddle turns around. Seth Rollins comes from behind, attacks Riddle, and actually hits two stomps on Riddle to stand tall in the middle of the ring. Apparently, from what's going on and all the talk, it is going to be a Riddle win at SummerSlam. And Riddle will have a huge push at the end of this. So I'm looking forward to it. We then got Damien Priest versus Rey Mysterio and Damien Priest promised by the end of the night Dominic Mysterio will join Judgment Day. So that could be a very little cool little thing, but I don't know, I don't know what's going on there. It was a nice match. Rey Mysterio fought hard, um Damien Priest was able to hit a, his modification of the Razor's Edge. I'm um, Rey Mysterio, and you know, I was watching that, and a shout out, I just pointed to the sky. I'm like, hey, Scott, oh, people, people are still celebrating you, brother. I was watching it, I'm like, oh, that's, it, it just made me smile inside, you know. After this, Judgment Day threw a couple steel chairs in the ring, they were going to hit the concerto on Rey Mysterio, and they said, unless you join Dominic, we're about to hit this concerto. Dominic slid into the ring and said, I, "I, fine, I'll join, I'll join, just don't hurt my dad. They then attacked Dominic, and they said, wrong answer. You should have actually taken the chairs and attacked him with it. But I guess Dominic is no longer ready to join Judgment Day. They're not going to do it, so I don't, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on with that storyline. I would love to see Dominic in Judgment Day, because I think it's time for him to turn heel. I think it's time for him to separate himself from his father. And maybe this could lead to a very cool WrestleMania match later on in Hollywood. I don't know. We then got Seth Rollins versus Ezekiel as it was backstage. Seth Rollins was telling how he beat the shit out of Riddle, basically, all that crap. And then you had Ezekiel come in and say, hey, you, you can't do that, man. You can you gotta be better. You gotta be a better person. And Seth Rollins says, Who are you to tell me what I can and can't do? If I want to, I'll stomp you, I'll stop Ezekiel, I'll stop Elias, I'll stop your other brothers, I don't care anymore. And Ezekiel then pushed him and said, Don't talk about my family, and they said, Let's sell this in the ring, and they had a very good match. Ezekiel was leading it for most of the early times, and then Seth Rollins was able to hit a stomp. One, two, three, picks up the win. I'm really looking forward to his match versus Riddle at SummerSlam. I'm really looking forward to this match. People are like, oh, I remember seeing on Twitter, it was a couple of people like, oh, where'd this come from? Why are they having this match at SummerSlam? And I'm like, have you guys been watching the show? Been, <coughs> excuse me. They've been pitching this for a while. So, I was excited for that, and I'm excited for this match. It was then announced that next week on Raw, it was will be Rey Mysterio's 20th anniversary in WWE. So, shout out to Rey Mysterio for 20 years in WWE. Not to mention all the years he spent on in the independent scene, everything he's done. What an amazing performer. What an amazing performer. We then got Angelo Dawkins versus Almas in a singles match. This match was over very quickly as it ended in DQ when. MVP tried to get involved after Montez Ford got involved so many times. It was then made a tag team match by Adam Pearce. His MVP was made to wrestle in a suit. Almost did most of the heavy lifting. He actually picked Ford up and tried to throw him. Ford actually landed on his feet. It was one of the funniest things I've ever seen of just Ford. Just He lands, uh, his feet just looks at it. Just looks up at almost and almost just points at him. Aha! Just laughing of like, haha ha! I did it! I blocked your power move. haha ha! It was I, I laughed my ass off of just you. It, please let them upload that to YouTube because it was fucking hilarious. Unfortunately, it ended in DQ as Usos got involved in a sport in Dawkins. And all you heard was Corey Graves saying, God, we need need Jeff Jarrett now. Jeff Jarrett needs to get here now. Why isn't he here? You know, and someone put it on Twitter. I would love for all the years of retribution of like all the years of Corey Graves bullying Byron Saxon on the mic. Apparently they're friends in real life, so I know it's not real bullying. But how funny would it be for a gimmick if you just saw Byron Saxon just suddenly get a, just gets a button and just hits one button it just mutes Corey Graves for like five minutes. And all you see is Corey Graves. It just lo- starts looking around and just starts cursing at Byron Saxon off the mic. And Byron Saxon goes, ah, sweet bliss. I would love to s- I would love to see that. You think uh, another vignette shown for the Mystery Man? of. S- it was the same vignette of the RKO and all that stuff of the old... Of him coming to Raw and all that. he said, And then he wrote on a bloody mirror. I'm coming to. And then it stops. But it also showed The Undertaker's urn. Again, there's no question that it's Edge now. I'm excited for his return. Someone put it on Twitter as well. And I saw it. It was, what if Edge shows up to Raw next week? Because he's supposed to be there to set up the feud with Judgment Day. And start their feud. So let's say Dominic turns on Rey. Edge shows up. There's only two versus three for SummerSlam. What if Edge shows up with The Fiend? And that's the way they bring Bray Wyatt back in. For Edge and Rey Mysterio and The Fiend to fight off Judgment Day in a tag team match. How cool would that be? I don't know. I would love to see it drop my phone which has all my notes on we then got AJ Styles versus Mr. Money in the Bank Austin Theory very cool match I really would actually like to see them have this match at SummerSlam they won't because it's gonna be Theory versus Bobby Lashley but speaking of which Bobby Lashley was surprisingly absent from this week maybe he was off celebrating his birthday I do believe it was his birthday on Saturday where he turned 40 I believe Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It was very weird to see Bobby Lashley on Raw, especially for the go-home show for SummerSlam. It did end in a countout, though, as Dolph Ziggler, when the ref's back was turned, hit a superkick on Theory. Theory was then counted out. Very good selling by Theory of, like, Trying to stand up, but like I'm good, and then he just collapses. He's got the he's got the jelly legs. He can't get back in the ring, and at least to a count out. So apparently, Dolph Ziggler's super kick is strong enough to keep you dizzy for ten seconds. Just want to point that one out. After this, we got a oh god, this segment. This was the worst segment of the week. We got Lil Miss Bliss, Asuka, 24-7 champion Dana Brooke, drop Nikki Ash, and Tamina having a six-woman tag team match. Asuka was able to win by t- making Nikki Ash tap out with the Asuka lock, but then it turned into a 24-segment championship. Six titles, six times the 24-7 cha- championship t- change place, which I have no problem with that. I enjoy it. I think it should actually be a very weekly backstage segment. And it should be at house shows all the fucking time of, hey, 24 7 championship changed hands. Here's who it changed hands to. It should be the hardcore champion. It should be the hardcore championship where everyone can pin anyone. Everyone's hitting everything on everyone. That's what it should be. But it isn't. You're just getting sometimes segments like this. It should be like this every week on Raw. Every pay per view, everything should be this for a twenty four seven championship. Not the match, but the backstage antics and shit like this could be great. So first, Akira Tozawa pinned Dana Brooke to win the championship. Nikki Ash then picked, then pinned Akira Tozawa to win the twenty four seven championship. Alexa Bliss was able to pin Nikki Ash to win the twenty four seven championship drop then pinned Nick and picked Alexa Bliss to win the 24-7 championship. Tamina then pinned Dewdrop to win the 24-7 championship. Then Dana Brooke pinned Tamina to win the 24-7 championship. So six people held it. It started with it started with Dana Brooke and it ends with Dana Brooke. And that was your semi-main event, ladies and gentlemen. We then go to your main event where it is Miz TV it showed the Miz actually competing in the soft, um, the All Star Game, soft celebrity softball game, where the Miz actually won MVP for after he he hit a walk off home run for his team. So shout out to the Miz for that. I just love the life he's living. Miz has lived his best life. So you know what? Fuck it, enjoy it, Miz. You've earned it. The Miz then. Welcome to the special guest. Logan Paul. Logan Paul challenged The Miz to a match at SummerSlam. Miz then said Logan was protected at WrestleMania is not ready for a one-on-one match. Logan then said next week he'll host his own, host his own version of Miz TV and start the Tiny Balls chant. Miz then accepted it. He then accepted his challenge for a match at SummerSlam and Tommaso Champa got involved. I don't know where this is going to go. Maybe AJ Styles will get back involved with this feud. And then he could have a match at SummerSlam. Because right now AJ Styles does not have a match at SummerSlam. Just want to point that out right now. It could be a very fun... It's not the go-home show, is it? For No, we still have one more week for SummerSlam. But... I'm still wondering what it could be on the next... On the go-home show for next week. How are they going to get AJ Styles involved for SummerSlam? Because they need to do it. So, I'm wondering. I'm wondering myself what's going to happen. But it was a good Raw. It was a fun Raw besides the 24-7 Championship segment. It was... It was okay. It was... It was okay. That's... It was... Yeah, it was... It was an okay show dragged down by the semi-may event. That's what I have to say. Let's move on to my review of SummerSlam twenty sixteen. Now, this was the first SummerSlam of the brand split era. It was supposed to be a huge thing of hey, the brand split is finally coming. So we are ready to go. It looks awesome I it's this summerslam always brings back good memories for me of watching it again and again and again it's fun it's different let's go to the matches as we had a 12 t- 12 man tag team matches of the Usos American Alpha the hype Bros versus Brie Zango, the Ascension, the Fawd villains. Uh, this I hate tag team matches usually anyway. So this is a 14 minute tag team match. The Usos were able to pick up the win. Oh, this is just a weird one, man. This is just a hard one to even look at. Just Jay was able to pick up the win by pinning Simon Gotch with the Samoa with a some with a Samoa splash. Okay, good job by, Jim, by Jey Uso, but still not one that I'm looking at and going, oof, great match. After this, we got Sami Zayn and Neville versus the Dudley Boys. Very good job by Sami Zayn and Neville and the Dudley Boys to actually produce a good match here. It was fun to watch. Sami Zayn was able to hit the Huluva kick on on Bubba Ray. Neville then executed a red arrow for the pinfall. Sami Zayn and Neville pick up the win. We then get the first match of actually the best of seven series on the pre-show between Sheamus and Cesaro. This would lead to a very good feud of a seven match feud between these two. Sheamus was able to hit the bro kick on Cesaro. This would lead to a back and forth fight where I would come down in a seventh match. I believe and Sheamus would pick up the win for this. For the whole feud, but very back and forth, very cool feud to have. I really enjoyed these seven matches between Sheamus and Cesaro. The pay per view then opened with Enzo Mori and Big Cass for in their really big feud versus Y2J and Kevin Owens. They were still Kevin Owens and y were still very good friends at the time. They were very happy to be teaming together. So, this was a cool match to see. Oh, I wished Enzo, Mori, and Cass would win this, would win this, of course, they did not. Shout out to Jericho, by the way, as Kevin Owens and him made the perfect pop-up code breaker, which was basically Kevin Owens would throw him up for a powerbomb, and... You would have Y2J catch Enzo Amore and hit him into a code breaker. Very cool move. You could actually do the move on in WWE 2K still. So it's a move I really do love. So you have Y2J pick up the win here over Enzo and Cass. After this, you get your second match with Sasha Banks versus Charlotte for the women's tag for women's WWE Championship. The Raw Women's Champion as the SmackDown Championships have not been defined yet. They have not been made. They would not be made till about a couple weeks later after SummerSlam. You would get the SmackDown Tag Team Championships and the Women's Championships. So, you would not have a SmackDown Women's Champion yet. It would just be Sasha Banks versus Charlotte Flair. Dana Brooke was banned from ringside. It was a very cool match. Everyone hitting everything they can on each other. Sasha Banks locking in the bank statement. Actually using the ropes to roll away. And then Shot Flair hits natural selection. She was able to kick out. Sasha Banks would hit, lock in the bank statement one more time. But unfortunately it was not enough as... Shaw Flair would use her own momentum to roll, to roll Sasha into a, into a pinning combination, and they would pick up the win. You would have Shaw Flair win the Raw Women's Championship back after losing it to Sasha Banks. So very fun match to see. Definitely one of the real starts of the women's Revolution, in my opinion, the women's revolution. After this, we get the Miz versus Apollo Cruz. Very cool match. The Miz avoided what was called a stinger, a stinger splash, which was basically Apollo Cruz hitting the sting splash. It would end up hitting the skull crushing finale on Apollo Cruz to pick up the win. This was really Apollo Cruz's first real main roster fight against the Miz. Bravo to him, and actually having a great main roster debut. After this, we get your fourth match between AJ Styles and John Cena. They would have a match at SummerSlam, or a match at Money in the Bank, in which the, I'm trying I'm trying to make sure the Good Brothers, Gals, and Anderson would get involved in a magic killer when the ref wasn't looking. You would have AJ Styles pick up the win there. But this time it ended different, as Styles would try to lock in. They would hit everything. Styles, Clash, Add-to-Adjustment, they would hit the Pele kick near fall with the Attitude Adjustment near fall with the Styles Clash. Styles would lock in the calf Crusher and Cena would get the perfect F- the STF locked in. Styles tried to hit the phenomenal forearm. Cena would kick out. Super Attitude Adjustment for a near fall off the top rope. This sh- this shocked the world. <laughs> Cena then tried to hit another Attitude Adjustment. Styles it a uh, Styles clash, which was kicked out of. After a second phenomenal forum, Styles was finally able to pick up the win over Cena. After the match, Cena took off his armband, put it in the middle of the ring to signify, hey, maybe this is it for me. Maybe I'm done. We all know it wouldn't be as he would come back for a match at the Royal Rumble to win the WWE Championship. And then would lose it in Elimination Chamber and then go on to face The Miz and Maurice with his then fiance at the time, Nikki Bella. After this, we got Jon Stewart acting as a replacement for the injured Biggie in the WWE Tag Team Champions, The New Day, in their title defense against Gallows and Anderson. But Gallows and Anderson then came out, executed a magic killer on Kingston. Tried to execute a magic kill on cases, but the, but Stewart makes a distraction. Alex and Anderson then try to injure Stewart's groin, the way they did to Big E, which was basically breaking Big E's balls on the on the on the ring apron. This would have been funny in the TV 14 era, I guarantee you. Anyway, Big E made his return. During the match, he would actually come in and distract Gallows and Anderson. The New Day would then pick up the win and retain their titles after a hard-fought match. Good job to the New Day and Gallows and Anderson for having such a good match. We then get your sixth... Your sixth match, which was actually Dean Ambrose versus Dolph Ziggler. This is one of the reasons I chose to do this match. A face Dolph Ziggler versus a face Dean Ambrose for the WWE Championship. Dolph Ziggler would actually win a battle royal to determine a number one contender at SummerSlam. Dean Ambrose, really, this is why I'm not a Dean Ambrose kind of guy at the same time I am. I love his craziness, but at the same time, it goes a little too far with his character. Of like, he could kind of really be an asshole on the ring. The way he's like bowing to Dolph Ziggler, it kind of reminds me, and maybe he, he was just not right in the head at the time, or it might have been the drugs. I don't know if he was on drugs at this point in his career. I don't know. But. He was just kind of being like a Shawn Michaels Hulk Hogan kind of asshole like that match At the same time, they were able to have a great match. Dolph Ziggler would try to hit Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli, I guess I In my dentist's office Dean Ambrose will actually hit the Dirty Deeds and retain his title. Very fun match, but at the same time, it could have been so much better between these two. They're both amazing performers. But at the same time, you just got the feeling like it was SummerSlam 2005 of Shawn Michaels really just not doing what he should have done for... Hulk Hogan you know I, I don't know I don't, it, it, it hurts as much as it's good after this we got Becky Lynch Naomi and Carmel were scheduled to face Natalia Alexa Bliss, and Eve Marie for a 6-1 tag team match but Eve Marie was declared absent Nikki Bell then introduced herself as a replacement so it would be Natalia, Alexa Bliss, and Nikki Bella. The match ended when Nikki performed a forearm smash on Camella, who had been distracted by Natalia. And Bliss executed a fireman's carry cutter to win the team for her match. So shout out to Little Miss Bliss for that one, winning her SummerSlam debut. Really, so even Marie would then, I believe, be released by the company for the first time, and we wouldn't see her back in the company till very later on in her career, where she would have Dewdrop as her kind of where she would try to be a mentor to Dewdrop. We then get Stephanie McMahon and Mick Foley unveiling the new Universal Championship. And the inaugural champion would be determined in a match between the Demon King Finn Balor and Seth Rollins. It would be no count outs, no disqualifications. It could only end in pinfall or submission. So they wanted this title to really be something. It's sad to watch this because I'm looking at it and I'm like, what could have happened? For those of you who don't know, this match was a great match. Seth Rollins... Would fight his ass off against Finn Balor. And he would hit a buckle bomb on the outside of actually throwing Finn Balor. With kind of a a power bomb where you actually throw your opponent. He threw him into the barricade. And unfortunately it would injure Finn Balor's shoulder so badly. That he would actually have to take time off to get a torn rotator cuff fixed. And I know the pain of a rotary cuff. My father has dealt with it for years. The shoulder surgery took a wild effect. We would not see him back in the ring till after WrestleMania 33. Sucks to see because we were all sitting there just wondering what would have happened if he hadn't been injured. I think we're still having the black and gold NXT. I think... We never have to deal with NXT 2.0 because NXT is viewed more revered as it created not just a top star, it created a first ever undisputed universal champion who I think will have gone on to have an amazing reign. While it did create the first ever undisputed champion, it didn't create a champion who could unfortunately hold up to the muster because of his injury. Injury, we never really got to see what Finn Bauer could do as a world champion. It would have been amazing to see, but at the same time, it just hurts that knowing that this injury cost us so much, in my opinion. In the next match, we get Rusev defending the United States Championship against Roman Reigns. He was scheduled to defend it, but Rusev, however, attacked Roman Reigns, resulting in a brawl. The referees tried to break the two up. Rusev was then declared unable to compete after Roman hit Rusev with a steel chair. Reigns then hit Rusev with a spear. This would lead to a Hell in a Cell match later on between the two, where Roman Reigns would win the United States Championship. So, That match would never end up happening. It sucks to see for Roman Reigns. Finally, in your main event, this main event was pitched as a main event 16 years in the making. Randy Orton and Brock Lesnar, two members of that amazing OVW class which produced John Cena, Batista, Randy Orton, Brock Lesnar. These guys, I'm sure I'm forgetting someone else. I know there's someone else who I'm forgetting. But my memory is so shot to hell now, ladies and gentlemen. There's someone else. I know it. God damn it. Ugh, it's going to bug me for a wrestling night. I'm not going to be able to sleep. Anyway, if it was able to produce these amazing wrestlers, and these two were considered some of the best of the best of that class. So, they had never had a one on one pay per view match. Something that I actually never knew. I never knew these two had never had a pay-per-view match. But it was pitched as that. It was announced, I believe, a year before. And it was a banger. Paul Heyman would actually go on to hype up the show on... Or to hype up the match. Oh, God, what was it? He, I can't remember which one he, he talked about it on. It was... He talked about it on... Kenny McIntosh's show, for those of you who know wrestling, he talks about it on his show. He said, Randy Orton is a great wrestler because he is always one move away from winning the match, which I loved. I loved that. I thought that was a great way to say it. And then he had someone actually heckle him from the crowd and he goes, did someone just heckle me? Because if you want to heckle me... you..." go ahead but you have no idea who you fucking with i love that line i was just like oh paul Heyman's ready to go paul Heyman is ready to fucking go so paul Heyman, would actually hype this match up it would be very fun to see this match between these two there would be rko's f5s rock randy orton would actually kick out of an f5 he would, he would have Orton hit a second RKO near fall by Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar would then actually catch Orton after he tried to hit a punt kick. Another near fall, Randy Orton became only the second wrestler to kick out multiple F5s. He would then, he would then have Brock Lesnar take off his gloves to show how serious he is. He was ready to go and just delivered elbow after elbow after elbow after elbow after elbow to Orton. Till Orton was busted open. I mean busted open. I, oh god, he was bleeding like a stuck hog from his head, from his forehead and really really just oh, man, the blood on that on that ring, I will never forget till the day I die. It was announced a TKO, technical knockout. Brock Lesnar would win this match and it would actually lead to Brock Lesnar having to fight Chris Jericho backstage as Chris Jericho didn't know it was a work, not a shoot. He thought Brock Lesnar went into business for himself and was ready to beat the shit out Brock Lesnar, but finally, and they actually had to be separated, Brock, someone finally said, Chris, it's a work, and Jericho just went oh and he apologized he said my bad I didn't know he apologized to Brock he apologized to everybody backstage and again it's just funny to see like oh okay yeah that's that's pretty funny but this SummerSlam will go down to history as a great SummerSlam it was a fun one all the matches on here are truly even with Dean Ambrose. Kind of fucking it up with the Dolph Ziggler match, in my opinion. Now, that's just my opinion. You could look at this match and see something completely else. That's what I love about everybody's opinion. Everybody's got one, man. No matter what, I'm never right. I'm never going to be right, in my opinion. So, you know what? It was a great, great show for me. If you want to watch a great SummerSlam. I recommend 2016. Now, let's move on to your WWE Drink of the Week. Sticking with the summer month, sticking with summer, and me wanting to go with some margaritas, I had to do this one. It is called the Best Margarita. So, this margarita is one part tequila, one part beer, one part frozen lime concrete, or concentrate. So you put the frozen limeade into a pitcher, then fill with a can of beer, add a mix, you then fill with another limeade can and toss in some tequila. You mix again and you salt the rim. You pour it into a glass, salt the rim, and there you go. You have a what is called the best margarita. This is going to be a strong drink, so be careful. Do not drink and drive, do not drink if you are under 21, do not overindulge, and always drink responsibly, ladies and gentlemen. And that is your WWE Drink of the Week. And now a reading from the Book of Rules. A hog pen match. Throw your opponent into the nasty, stinking pool of mud. Yeehaw. A hog pen match. And a reading for the Book of Rules. Well ladies and gentlemen, it's time for everybody's favorite segment. The Battle Droid of the Week. That's right ladies and gentlemen. I mentioned it before of what I was going to put as my Battle Droid of the Week. While I was originally going to have it as a 24-7 championship segments, And while I have explained my displeasure and why I viewed my displeasure at it. I hope they can really work on that and make it better. I had to change it mid-episode as I realized it is Lacey Evans. Lacey Evans, you are the battle of the week because I just don't get this gimmick, man. And it's not just her fault. WWE Creative moved her to Raw as a babyface. She never performed. Then she went back to SmackDown as a babyface. And then they finally pulled the trigger on her heel turn, which was the plan all along to have her as one of the main heels on Smackdown. It's just so confusing. And now she has this, she's basically back to where she began when she was the sassy Southern Belle on Smackdown. She would just walk out and just basically look at the crowd and go, nah, you ain't worth it, and leave. I mean, she did it at WrestleMania 35. When I was, my first WrestleMania attendance, I was sitting there with my buddy who is not a huge wrestling fan, but still is a guy, one, for a great time, and two, is someone who I just love as a human being great guy so I said hey let's go to Wrestlemania and have a great time he said hey no problem let's go so he looks at me and just as she walks out he just looks at me she walks back in and just goes who the hell is that chick and I go that's what she does man that's all she does right now and he goes well that's stupid and we just sat there and we were just like, yep. So, it's weird to see her back to what they originally had for her, which was so stupid in my opinion. I don't know why they're having her do it. It doesn't make sense to me at all. So, Lacey Evans, because of that, you are the Battle Droid of the Week. Congratulations. Uh-oh. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening. I've been the big guy. It's been a fun week in wrestling. And we're just getting started as next week are the go-home episodes for Raw and SmackDown before SummerSlam. I am so excited. SummerSlam looks like it's going to be a great time. And then we have the release for WrestleMania tickets, which I am overjoyed for. I cannot wait for it. WrestleMania tickets go on sale. I'm going to get mine and book my trip to L.A., where I hope to see some of you guys there, some of my friends. Let me know if you guys get tickets in the comments down below. Thank you guys very much for listening. I've been the big guy, and this has been Wrestling Made Simple.